Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Open Floor. I'm Andrew Sharp, and on the other line from the Washington Post, Ben Golliver. What's up, man? Not too much, Andrew. You know, we're going to probably spend the next hour discussing free agent speculation, trade scenarios, things that might happen in advance of Thursday's deadline. But we yep. got a couple emails uh, over the uh, the weekend from some hardcore Open Floor Globe members who were saying, look, guys, we understand there's lots of speculation. You guys have to talk about it. But don't forget about the hoops or what's happening on the court. <laughs> and yeah. I just want to have a real quick 30-second disclaimer here. I toured the Golden State Warriors' new building, Andrew, the Chase Center. It's in San Francisco, right along the water. And I think that we tend to forget that the Warriors, this incredible dynasty in the making, had basically some of the worst facilities in the league. You know, their practice facilities in a hotel, you know, in a parking garage. Their arena is in the absolute middle of nowhere uh, in Oakland. It's, you know, one of the oldest buildings in the league. Uh, these guys are basically flipping their facilities from 30th to first. I mean, they're opening up a billion dollar palace in the middle of San Francisco, right on the water with views of the Bay Bridge. So just for fans of, you know, teams like the Washington Wizards, they've already, you know, been third rate teams. You guys have no chance to win a title in your lifetime, Andrew. <laughs> Once the Warriors move into this building and this sets off an arms race, which it certainly will, I'm sure, between other franchises looking to kind of keep up with the Joneses, yeah. uh, this basketball talk that we're already avoiding because there's not much to say is only going to get further and further away from what we actually discuss. So wait, are you saying that we're headed for like a college football style arms race in the NBA? That's what's going to happen? Well, uh, that's kind of what I expect, but what I really think is going to happen is that you guys are going to be like the lower tier ACC team that just gets left behind. You know, I don't know how many Look, Alabamas. We are or... already that team. Okay, well, it's getting worse. It's going to be the same as the old era. No, no, what I'm saying is it's getting a lot worse, Andrew. And look, if I was uh, the Warriors, you know, courting free agents this summer, you know, we we don't know what's going on with Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Cousins, all these guys. Uh -huh. I would be having the chase center like front and center of my recruiting pitch because I'm not a professional basketball player, but going to the building made me want to be one just so I could play in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I think well, it's a, it's going to be a legit thing that they're going to have that other franchises just don't. Yeah. I mean, the Warriors don't have money to spend. I don't think they would have any problem recruiting anyone this summer if they had the cap space. Um, but nice. I, First of all, well, a couple, hold a couple on, thoughts hold on. on your little monologue there. What? No, but before we get to that, though, they may. You know, if Kevin Durant's not there, then now are they shopping for the next DeMarcus Cousins, a guy who's willing to take the, the mid-level deal mid -level, and come yeah. hang out there? Are they going to be able to take care of uh, players like Clay Thompson and, and Draymond with, you know, big-time lucrative deals? These guys are going to be making money hand over fist in this building. They own it. They run the whole thing. Like... They're hiring hundreds of uh, part-time employees to manage it. Like They're yeah. going to a different level that guys like Mr. I-Won't-Tank, Ted Leonsis, can't even conceive of. Well, I enjoy that you kicked off the podcast acknowledging a few emails we got over the weekend, which were valid complaints saying, I can't remember the last time you guys talked about an actual basketball game, which is... Just where we are in the NBA, it's not our fault. It's the league's fault. No, but it's, it's your fair. fault. It's not <laughs> my fault. I'm blaming you. I would talk about games all day long, but you never want to. You want to have all these, you know, pipe dream conspiracy theories, and I just go along with it. I'm a, I'm a friendly co-host. What can I Look, say? Look, 
Look, uh, I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. Um, no, the the other thing, though, is you acknowledge those complaints and then spent five minutes talking about the palatial facilities of a basketball team and their revenue statements over the next few years. So I don't know if that's any more rooted in the actual game of basketball, but look, it's a good Andrew, way to kick things off because we're not going to talk about actual basketball Andrew, games. is there anything more reality-based than concrete? I don't think so. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Fair enough, man. Uh, well, I'm glad you had a good weekend. It was a nice humble brag there baked into your little story also, getting to tour the Chase Center with Rick Welts. It sounds pretty awesome. Um, did you watch the Super Bowl at all? What's that? Did, yeah, probably not. <laughs> no, hey, but I was reading all these stories about uh, Sean McVay, the incredible millennial coach, because I was trying to write about uh, Ryan Saunders, you know, the Timberwolves millennial coach. Sure, yeah. And I was hearing that he could uh, basically has photo recall for like all plays throughout his coaching career. And I actually have photo recall of every single one of their touchdown drives from the Super Bowl. You can test me on any of them, <laughs> Andrew, and I will walk you through play-by-play -play, trips left, you know, uh, naked bootleg right, whatever you want to hear from me. Just go ahead, just mention one of their touchdowns, and I will walk you through it. You ready? You know what, man? I didn't really care about the NFC Championship game scandal. I wasn't one of those people out in the streets lobbying for the NFL to replay the game. But halfway through the Super Bowl, I was so pissed off at the Rams for sucking as much as they did. I'm mad at McVay. I will probably hate the Rams for the rest of my life because of the way they laid down for the Patriots. But congrats <laughs> I like, I, to Tom Brady, man. Or do you feel a, a vested interest in Brady's success as a Michigan man? I was... I would have been on here chirping about it, but the whole red hat thing from a couple of years ago, it's its really required serious distancing from him uh, in basically all manners of life. I didn't follow any of it, but it seemed like they needed a third place game to salvage this thing, right? Like, wouldn't that have been a pretty, like from what I was reading, Breeze, Mahomes and all that, like if they had the third place game, like the World Cup, maybe the Super Bowl could have been saved. It was pretty brutal, man. And I, look, I don't have a problem with Tom Brady. I think he's kind of just a sociopath. I don't think he's some like closet Trump diehard. Um, I, and he is clearly the greatest player of all time, but he's also just boring. And, you know, it would be nice to kind of switch it up at some point. Um, but this is not a, like, I, I guess what I would say is the, I've been watching the Patriots get 11 yards on third and nine for like 20 years in a row now. And it's usually on a slant to Julian Edelman or Wes Welker or Troy Brown or whatever. Troy Brown was actually kind of awesome. But it's just, we, we need a change of pace in football. Um, we do need a change of pace. that's why people are probably listening to basketball podcasts. Yeah, well, could we please talk basketball? This is crazy, <laughs> man. Like, just... Normally, I stick, you know, you always have these jokes about how you tune out when I go on my rants. I hardly ever tune you out. You got to third and nine, and I was on the floor half asleep, man. There you go. There you go. Well, hey, shout out to our guy, Scott Travis. I feel like last night at the Super Bowl, that was the biggest story of the night. He That was a big step up from the Nike parties he's been playing for the last <laughs> five years. Did he do well? It didn't, didn't seem like he was received that well. I don't know. Rap concerts never really come through on television, and even in person, rap concerts are kind of hit or miss. But the kids seem to really like Sicko Mode, whatever that is. I thought Sicko oh. Mode was a producer, but I think it's no. a song. 
you are so old. Even I know Sycamore. <laughs> well, first of all, I have the Scott Travis album, but I kept waiting for Drake to pop out. You know, like he needed to just like rise up from a little hole in the stage or like helicopter in with like a parachute for his yeah. verse of that song. And it just didn't happen. And that's, I mean, it was very disappointing. Like, I think I had... Drake is still too cool to ever be at the Super Bowl. He needs to be like five to 10 years more washed up before they let him play the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I like how there was like the woke Illuminati saying you can't play the Super Bowl, but then they were like, well, Travis will do anything, so he's exempted from this. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Scott Travis is available if there's one thing we've learned over the last four years. But anyways, look, it's time to talk basketball. Uh, Thank enough you. prelude. I don't really like recording the podcast right now. It's Monday afternoon. I'm sure there are like 15 different things that are going to happen by the time this is published on Tuesday morning. No, we should have just, we live streamed it because the odds of this is out of date by the time it goes up, it's like 95%, right? It's terrible. It's terrible. I'm going to start here with a couple tweets from Woj that hit just as we went on to record here. First of all, he says, the Milwaukee Bucks are one of the teams on Anthony Davis's new extended list. Milwaukee hasn't inquired about a Davis trade, sources say, and its roster composition does make the pathway to a trade extremely difficult. Ben, give me your reaction. Well, Oscar and Kareem or Giannis and Davis, who you got? I mean, we're talking about <laughs> all-time greats in Milwaukee Buck uniforms. Um it would be so funny if this happened. Like people have been giving me a hard time. I think our friend Spike uh, from the Sixers podcast emailed in and was was telling me uh, basically the Bucks are the cutest possible story and like you know yeah. I'm hyping them up a little too much. Right now I'm in such a great place with Milwaukee. I feel like I can't lose because the season has been a complete dream. They don't really have that much pressure on them going into the playoffs. Other teams like Philly. Boston and Toronto could completely self-combust in this year's postseason. And I don't really see that happening for Milwaukee because Giannis is already locked in. So this yeah. is like an ultimate house money situation. So I'm not even like getting excited about the idea of Anthony Davis. I'm just chuckling that somehow the Milwaukee Bucks are in this. Sure. Cool. Great. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Let's see what happens. You know what I mean? And I, I kind of feel like that same sensation is going to continue to unfold as they go deeper and deeper into these playoffs. I don't know if you saw the quote uh, a couple nights ago from Giannis. I mean, he mentioned the J word, Andrew. He mentioned how he wants to play into June. I mean, that gave me goosebumps. You know, it got me. I know. My my arm hairs stood to attention. I mean, I'm ready to rock with these Milwaukee Bucks. Look, we've talked about it before. Giannis is just remarkably locked in. All season long, every answer he's given is like, 30% more intense than you would expect from an NBA player. And he's at games two and three hours beforehand getting work in while the other guys like it was, it's kind of an unfair hot takey comparison to make. But like I, at the game I was at in Houston, Giannis was there working very early and, uh, and was again, just very locked in and focused. And then Harden strolls in in like an old-timey baseball costume. Uh, not costume, outfit. But it, but it was like kind of like a fashion costume. situation for you, Harden. You just, you just got his stylist fired by calling it a costume. But continue. <laughs> well, it kind of felt like a costume. Anyways, so Harden's doing his whole Harden thing. And Giannis is just operating on a different frequency than most NBA superstars this year. That would be my point. It's just like... 
people haven't really paid close attention to the Bucks. I'm sure the Bucks will have their moment in the sun. I bet by the time we make it to March and April, there will be like dozens of profiles on what's happening in Milwaukee, and they will be one of the bigger stories in the league. But for the time being, all you need to know is that Giannis is like super intense and ready to go to war for the Bucks. Yeah, my only complaint is he needs to speed up these post-game showers, okay? It's gone to his head in that one avenue, you know, now that he realizes he's this top three, top four, top five player, he's decided to pull the Carmelo and LeBron thing where it takes like an hour for him to get ready post-game. Sometimes yeah. he's just like sitting and, and meditating on like, you know, mistakes or the high moments. And <laughs> I don't blame him for that. That's fine. But let's just uh-huh. speed up this post-game thing a little bit. You know, that's that's my only nitpicking complaint. Yes, well, and and that's a valid request for literally every superstar in the NBA. That's become kind of like the new thing, take an extra 45 minutes. But this is one of those things that literally only NBA reporters care about, so we can move on from that. Um, as far as the Bucks, though, they are part of a list that includes the Knicks, that includes the Bulls. I, I saw the Bulls Wait. mentioned somewhere. That seems not correct. But so the the list that I saw was like Lakers, Bucks, uh, Clippers, Knicks. Yes, those, and so are the, you, those are the four. And Andrew, I hate to kind of fact check you, but you said the Bucks were part of the list. To me, that sounds like the Bucks are headlining the list because there's one really good team on that list, and well, three teams that are so so in big markets. I mean, shouldn't we be viewing Milwaukee as the favorite to Anthony Davis? If you were Anthony Davis, and apparently he doesn't have interest in Golden State, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Golden State should be on his list, period, in this situation. Um, But, I mean, isn't Milwaukee now the favorite, Andrew? No, look, Milwaukee, you were right initially. This is a moral victory for (laughs) for Giannis Inc. This is house money that the Bucs are playing with. I do kind of feel like... They are being used by Rich Paul to insulate Anthony Davis against any claims that he just cares about going to a big market because Milwaukee Milwaukee actually helps kill two birds with one stone. They A, it can prove that Anthony Davis cares about winning, and B, it can prove that he cares more about winning than big markets. And so in that sense, it's useful to have them on the list, even though I think everyone in America can look at the Bucks situation and say, all right, so all of your good players outside Giannis are due to hit free agency this year. You've traded almost all of your assets to get the like half-ass contender that you have in Milwaukee now. Hey, I don't hey. really know what you're going to do. No, look. I'm I'm a big Bucks believer, but like let's be honest, Eric Bledsoe and Chris Middleton. I don't see these guys hoisting the Larry O'Brien Trophy in mm. June. Unfortunately, wow. I want to believe, but I can't quite get there. Giannis could could take them to the finals, but anyways. Well, that's the you thing about I mean? you, national media members. You have a hard time digging into the advanced <laughs> stats, the coastal which say, elites, which say that Milwaukee is a legit uh, contender on every aspect that you could possibly want: they are. offense, no defense, question. superstar talent shooting now you throw into the mix that you've got eric bledsoe the number one all-star snub this year somehow d'angelo russell getting in over him absolutely ridiculous decision by adam silver um but yeah i I love the bucks but i'm not just gonna sit here and kiss ben thompson's ass and frank madden and eric nem and all my bucks friends like we could be honest about what the ceiling is but it it is still a victory for them to even be mentioned as the token contender that Anthony Davis is pretending to like. 
Okay, question for you. You said that this list is trying to insulate Anthony Davis from criticism by including Milwaukee as the small market. Uh-huh. Is it really just trying to insulate Rich Paul from the criticism? I mean, is that what this list is doing, right? Because That's probably part of it too, right? Yeah, that, that's that's what I'm wondering because the the worst scenario for them is that Dell Dems gets cold feet because he feels like he's getting hijacked and he he's just basically become this feeder guy for the Lakers organization, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and then if you're Rich Paul, the biggest you know downside here is that everybody just says, "Oh, all you're doing is stealing talent to play with LeBron. You're not really representing your clients' interests uh, in the proper manner. You know, you're kind of mixing business and pleasure, if you will, and, and crossing ethical lines, right? So, yeah, I actually feel like this list protects Rich more than it protects Anthony. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. We should talk a little bit more about Clutch and and what they're doing. Because uh, for real, like, hasn't Anthony proven that he wants to play in a small market for not complaining for like four straight years when he should have been complaining in a very you know like well? Lo- but I also think one of the reasons he wanted to hire Rich Paul, one of the reasons he did hire Rich Paul, is to kind of be the heavy that gets him to a bigger market no, because he wants I, I to agree, be more famous. So I, I think hasn't that this, hasn't this poor guy paid his dues though? You know what I mean? Like, is anyone really going to crush him if he wants to go to the Lakers or the Knicks after what he sat through uh, in New Orleans for the last five years oh, without yeah, yeah, really yeah. raising his voice? Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, and so let's talk about the Lakers side of it then, because that seems to be heating up uh, to some degree, depending on who you believe. Woj says the Lakers have offered a new package to New Orleans that includes multiple young players, multiple draft picks, and Pelicans salary cap relief for Davis. The offer appears to move closer to the objectives that the Pelicans are pursuing in any Davis deal, and God knows what those are, first of all. Uh, And then Woj continues and says, Lakers president Magic Johnson and Pelicans GM Del Demps have had multiple conversations today. So Del is confirmed answering the phone, and Woj finishes off saying, there's no sense how much progress both sides have made toward a possible trade, but the Lakers have absolutely gotten more serious in the discussions. Uh, So what do you think there? I mean, it's so funny. We we know what their package is, right? Like they're drip, drip, dripping out their package here over the last week. But like we know where it has to get to, you know, well, basically all their players that matter and whatever picks that they can throw in and probably taking back a bad contract. Uh, the fact that it's being played out so publicly, I, I do think is interesting. I mean, this is like peak posturing from basically all sides over the last week. Um, yeah. And again, I enjoy this transparent NBA. You know, it's like, don't hide your trade requests. Don't hide your trade offers. Just like put it out there and and negotiate in public and see what happens. The important takeaway to me, though, is that if Dell Demps was really intent on what their initial statement said, which was, we're going to do this on our timeline. We're going to do it our way. We're not going to be influenced and all this tampering and all of that. Uh his actions have not really lived up to that. His actions have said, I'm trying to get a really good deal here. I'm trying to get the best possible offer I can get. And I am very interested in trading him, which is what I said he should do a week ago uh, when everyone was saying, oh, just wait until the summer, wait until the summer. So it's good to see him actively involved. Um, hopefully these trades continue to uh, progress. Um, yeah. But you know, I, I don't know. I, I think this it's kind of a dog and pony show, isn't it? Oh, we're only going to include two of the prospects. Now it's three of the prospects. Like, come on, guys. 
Dude, Dog and Pony Show doesn't even cover it because so much of <laughs> there's just so much bullshit flying around right now. I mean, and I don't know how locked into Twitter you have been. I typically am more uh, attuned to that world than you are of between the two of us. And so I don't know if you saw like Sunday night. How can night, you make this claim, Andrew? I mean, what, what are you basing that on? You're better at Twitter than I am. Come on. No, <laughs> not better. Probably just sadder and more addicted. But uh, Sunday night after the Super Bowl, I was like, I couldn't sleep. It was like 2 a.m. And there was the these rumors flying around some media organization in Arizona. I don't know whether it was a newspaper or what. They posted an article that... Uh, was about an Anthony Davis trade that involved Lonzo Ball to the Suns, and it involved the Suns sending their first-round pick to New Orleans, which, I, I mean, if you really think about that, the shit show that would ensue if we found out that James Jones was giving up like a top 10, top 5 Phoenix <laughs> pick to get LeBron Anthony Davis would just be incredible. And it's not completely beyond the realm of possibility. So it's like, I don't know, I feel like I've been living on the dark web for the last 10 days and I just don't know what's real anymore. Because sometimes like some of that stuff is real and you see that like, ultimately you're reading some equipment manager's burner account but it does come true in the end and so i i have no idea what to believe look uh, first of all i resent the idea you think you're on twitter more than i am i'm happy to compare screen time stats with you you know how <laughs> apple blue bubble gang members kind of get both their equally sad okay get their taken. weekly reports but i will say your threshold for what you believe is like a worthwhile source <laughs> is definitely lower than my threshold. Like there's no doubt, like you call it the dark web. I mean, you bathe in nonsense on Twitter. There's no question about it. It's and, terrible. And you text me half of it. And then I have to just screen out, you know, most of it because it's just like, all right, I'm intentionally not following these accounts because I don't want this fake news, but here's Andrew hand delivering no, it to me. It's really bad. It's something I need to work on. Literally at two 30 in the morning last night, I was in bed, Twitter searching, AD Lakers trade, and I stumbled upon the director of player personnel at USC Athletics who, who reported that an Anthony Davis trade was done. I, I don't know. So far, that hasn't come true, but we'll see. Maybe that guy was onto it before the rest of us. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> this is probably such not. nonsense. Apologies to anyone who tuned into Open Floor expecting like exclusive reporting on the monday of trade deadline week but here we are all of this is nonsense the league is consumed by bullshit this week sorry well we did have a big blockbuster trade over the weekend though rodney hood your man <laughs> going to the portland trailblazers what'd you think on that one well let's let's start with this question actually ty says hey guys your guy rodney andrew has gone to the blazers <laughs> So let me ask you, do the Blazers want Hood for his postseason prowess, his high-volume scoring and lockdown defense, or is it the fact that he possesses none of those skills and therefore he will fit in perfectly with the rest of Portland's bench roster? Wow. Um, Heaters. I, look. <laughs> Heaters from Ty. I love it. And I include that merely to point out that the Blazers have been pretty good all season and uh, and yet are kind of marooned in this no man's land where no one talks about them. No one takes them seriously. And as much as I do love Rodney Hood, I'm not sure he's going to be a, 
a meaningful upgrade for them going forward. And I just don't know why everyone seems to be cool with Neil O'Shea just kind of spinning his wheels up there and, and leading this team to nowhere. What do you well, think? You remember- during that Porzingis conversation where you were just ranting at the Knicks fans, I did feel the need to step up for the, uh, them just a little bit because uh-huh. they have felt this like very brutal personal pain like repeatedly over the last 20 years. And like the Porzingis trade just triggered all of those feelings. Blazers fans have a different kind of recurring pain. It's just this sense of just like underwhelming like Elliot Smith style sadness. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> totally. Olshay and it probably the, suits them as as Portlandia residents. hundred percent. Olshay made the exact right type of trade. Second round picks, expiring contracts, position of need, veteran, playoff experience. Here's a guy you're gonna plug into the rotation, he's gonna help. Everything about that process would get you excited if you're a fan. That's kind of what I've been calling on the Blazers to do here over the last month or two. Hey, it shows that ownership's involved and they're willing to give him some license to make moves. The only problem is it's Rodney Hood. (laughs) Like everything, (laughs) the process was fantastic. The logic, great. The result, very underwhelming and just kind of sad. And he's going to have one game where he scores like 19 points within a week or two after the trade. And everyone's going to be great. We're all going to get (laughs) super excited. They're probably going to press up some custom jerseys and send you one. And you're probably going to be the toast of the town for like 72 hours. And he's going to get in the playoffs and he's going to have the worst plus minus in the entire league again, just like last year's playoffs. And we're all going to think, man, that was the best they could do at the deadline. God, last year's finals were flat out awful after game one, but we did get the Rodney Hood game in game three after months of my promises. And man, that that's one of my favorite playoff memories of the last 10 years um, that no yeah. one else can share in. But it was great. Didn't, the, didn't they drag you out of media row because they're like, sir, you can't paint your chest and cheer at the top of your lungs for uh, Rodney Hood. This is <laughs> a professional working environment. It did get pretty embarrassing. And I remember I was sitting next to someone who is very wonky and quant heavy and um, very well respected. And he was he was like, what the hell are you doing? Why do you care about Rodney Hood? And I forget <laughs> who it was, but all part of the experience. Um, yeah, I, the Blazers are the team that I would love to see just swing big, send them Nurkic, who's on a deal for the next couple of years. Um, and I understand Nurkic is now back to being like the favorite son in Portland, but send them Nurkic, send them CJ McCollum, or send them Dame, frankly. Hey, and come on. No, look, get like, these are the teams that should be involved in the Anthony Davis deal. And, and I hope that we get there. I don't know whether we will, but that's another reason to your point earlier about whether Dell Demps should wait or try to get a deal done this week, you're going to find more teams that kind of like top out in the second round and are willing to really roll the dice and get crazy if you wait until this summer. It's no, Waiting till this summer does not necessarily limit you to the Celtics or the Lakers or like the other two or three teams that have been mentioned. I think, you know, if the... The, the Raptors would not have been willing to trade DeMar DeRozan last February, but they were in July because they, the ceiling became clear for the, the team they had. And that's, I think, the best argument for New Orleans just kind of waiting and shutting things down and tanking because the, there will be more possibilities in June. 
you know, I was actually waiting for you to mention DeRozan. Did I not get an official congratulations for Middleton making the All-Star team this year and DeMar not making it? I, I, I must have slipped through the cracks on the emails and the text messages and the podcasts that we've done. I didn't, I didn't hear anything on that one. You know, the mental gymnastics it takes for you to gloat over Middleton making it in the JV conference and, <laughs> and congratulate yourself. I, I'm impressed. I'm not even going to push back. Congratulations on Middleton. This is a big milestone for you and your personal brand. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that, Andrew. That that means a lot. <laughs> hey, you mentioned the Celtics in there, and uh-huh. I think we feel like we're bearing the lead here because Danny Ainge was the victim of a character assassination over the weekend. I mean, that yes. was no small headline coming from Anthony Davis Sr. by way of uh, Ramona Shelburne at ESPN. Um, you know, as a... You know, member of Danny's media army uh, out there on the East Coast. <laughs> I'm curious, like, did you take that as personally as I'm sure a lot of other of your fellow media members in that Boston um, army took it? And, and what do you think there? Well, it's funny because part of me really enjoyed it. And, and to frame that enjoyment, I will read this email from Brett on May 5th, 2018. Who He wrote... When is the Isaiah Thomas karma pendulum going to knock Ainge and all of New England back in the gut? This was right after the Sixers series. He wrote this email. And then Mm. he followed up this weekend, all caps. It happened. The karma pendulum has swung. Equilibrium has been found. And it came from Anthony Davis Sr. So all I will say is that there is a big part of my Wizards loving brain that is unwilling to admit that the rivalry is over and did kind of love (laughs) everything that happened to the Celtics over the last 96 hours. Um, And, you know, the one thing that has bugged me is there have been a number of really respected reporters, people I like, uh, who have come out in the wake of the text message, which for anyone who missed it, Anthony Davis Sr. was basically like, I, after what the Celtics did with, Isaiah Thomas, I would never want my son to play for that franchise. The the way they treated him was just like beyond the pale, whatever, whatever. Um, I read that text message. I was like, did did Rich Paul physically type this into Anthony Davis' senior's phone? Or was this a copy-paste situation? I don't know what happened. Um, But at (laughs) at the same time, I do think I've seen a lot of people come out and claim that any team would have done the Isaiah for Kyrie trade. And that just isn't true. Okay. We can't rewrite history. It may be unfair to attack the Celtics for doing it because I think the Celtics were smart to do it. And I think the better argument would be that any smart team would have done the Isaiah for Kyrie trade. But there are a lot of teams who would have, felt some loyalty and would have allowed sentiment to kind of enter the equation and would have also said, look, Isaiah is the most popular Celtic we've had since Kevin Garnett left and one of the most popular Celtics we've had in the last 30 years. And we're not trading him. We're going to stay loyal because this guy stayed loyal to us. He played through injuries. He played after a tragedy to the, to his sister. And, um, so I just think it's total frankly, bullshit to say that, that that this is like a deal that was a no-brainer that everyone would have done. Come on. I think that's a good point. I mean, the way you're framing it is not everybody would have been as cold and calculating as yeah, Danny and Age. and smart. Look, the Celtics yeah, that, deserve credit. 
A hundred percent. That was what I was going to add. I'm not sure that every GM would have been savvy enough and forward thinking right. enough to pull the trigger when he pulled the trigger. Um, and my point you know, is that you don't get to ha- have it both ways. You know what I mean? Like it was smart. It was savvy, but it was also cold blooded. And we knew at the time there was a chance it was going to come back to bite them when it was time to recruit other guys. I mean, man, that, I, that was a But I didn't see it. I didn't see it coming back to bite like this. I'll be honest. Like, <sighs> I know that that narrative was out there, but I didn't think it was going to come back in such a huge way. I mean, they've been trying to get Anthony. You've been telling us Boston's going to get Anthony Davis for freaking <laughs> three years on this podcast. And to have the whole thing blown up over IT is just hilarious to me. Um, but I, what I also like, underrated storyline, is that the Open Floor Globe emailers like Brett have been emailing uh-huh. us so long that they can now do I told you so <laughs> deep cuts from 18 months ago. We got another one from somebody who floated out a Kyrie and Kevin Durant team up in New York like almost two years ago, and he he brought that back to our attention over the weekend. Andrew, I love it. I appreciate the the passion uh, from everybody who's emailing us at openfloormail at gmail.com. You know, shine. Shine like the sun, guys. You've earned it. Hey, real quick, though. <laughs> they are keeping the receipts. Yeah, what? Hit me. On Kyrie, I, I, as, as long as we're taking shots at, you know, respected media members, uh-huh. when he gave his press conference a couple of days ago and he basically told everybody that he doesn't owe anybody bleep, you know, it's just yeah. like, I'm going to do what, what I do. I saw, you know, immediately some major companies, Sports Illustrated, Bleacher Report, put together the little, you know, social graphics with that quote, a picture of Kyrie and, you know, just trying to go viral off of that moment. Right. Um, um, and I as saw, well, they should have, by the way, thank because you. the actual this- tweet from Stefan Bondi from the New York daily news. Uh, I think that's how you say his name, but his tweet where it was like Kyrie on his long-term commitment to the Boston Celtics. I don't know anybody shit. Like <laughs> I think I might print that out and frame it just to preserve the, like hour and a half of joy that tweet gave me on Friday because it really it's like the most happiness I've known as an NBA fan for the last couple years of dealing with the Wizards that was like a a Wizards playoff series it was an amazing quote uh amazing sentiment what drove me nuts though was the spinning by the Boston media of trying to say look it's unfair to have those social graphics without the context there needs to be the full context of Kyrie's quote (laughs) Andrew, when you say you don't owe anybody anything, that's the context, okay? It's very obvious that that is the full context. You don't need to print the 75 words that came before that or whatever else they were trying to argue for. Um, I just thought that 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 was just a bad look. I mean, come on, Celtics media, be better. And there have been subsequent developments that have kind of overshadowed Kyrie's meeting with the media that day. And there were also people in Celtics media and that, that little like blog verse who came out and said, no, you have to watch the video. It plays differently on video. Like, no, it doesn't. I That's watched what the I'm video. saying. I watched no. the video a couple different times because I loved every second of it. I think it's hilarious. I think that the Celtics fans have secretly had misgivings with Kyrie all along ever since he opened up training camp by alleging that the earth is flat (laughs) or not not alleging just asking questions Kyrie is always just asking questions but uh the whole thing is just I mean for him to come out there and be pretty forceful and say look I have no idea what's gonna happen ask me in July I don't owe anybody shit like that was a thing and I I mean we talked on Thursday they should be freaked out 
yeah, it's a thing because he just told us what a great leader he was two weeks ago and how he was going to be inspiring <laughs> all of the young guys and how he had turned the corner and learned from LeBron and issued this public apology. And then he's checking out on everybody. Hey, here's a question for you. Um, you know, you mentioned the nervousness from Boston media and maybe Boston front office and, and all these developments that would kind of have them on edge. Yeah. When you're seeing how the NBA is going, LeBron and Rich Paul, Kevin Durant and Rich Kleiman, the kind of changing power structure uh, of the league in terms of how these players are moving, right? And mm-hmm. you've got a GM in Danny Ainge who's been very, very good at his job for a long time. Sure. But he's a player from the 1980s, right? He's from a different generation. He's not the Pat Riley generation, but he's like the generation after him. Is there concern on your part with you know this pushback from Anthony Davis's dad from the idea that Davis apparently doesn't want to play from the, for him, the idea that Kyrie hasn't already fully committed to the Celtics after what seems like a dream landing spot, would there be some sort of a generational concern on your behalf that like the NBA is changing here very rapidly in terms of where the power brokers are located and the Celtics may now be on the outside looking in? Um. No, I don't. I don't think that's. Uh, well, put it this way: I think it's a valid concern and a valid question to ask. But I also don't think that that's ultimately going to be the difference between the Celtics landing Anthony Davis or not. I think if the Celtics traded for Anthony Davis, he would come to enjoy it there, and Kyrie would probably stay. And that's why, like, look, I don't want to get too excited and spike the football over any of this stuff because. I still think that's what's going to happen. I think Anthony Davis is going to end up in Boston in July, and Boston's going to have to trade Jason Tatum to do it, which they don't want to do. But that's the only real trump card that they have. Um, and I think some of the like the cultural shifts, the generational shifts, I think that that's a fair area to focus on. Um, but there are just there are too many other factors in play here, and I do think like. People who go to Boston end up really liking it. All, all sorts of different athletes, whether they're Patriots, whether they're Red Sox, whether they're Celtics, and it is a great place to play basketball. Everyone I've ever talked to up there loves it. Um, and so, Except Kyrie. Well, so here's the thing with Kyrie. I think that he wants to be where he can win, and, you know, I will say the people who came out in the wake of Kyrie's comments and said – you know, Kyrie's allowed to change his mind and any criticism that he's getting today Ugh. is wildly unfair. Ugh. Like, come on. Yeah. Kyrie that came was out. the worst. <laughs> and this is another one where you're not allowed to have it both ways. Kyrie came out in October and was lauded for his loyalty. And I even wrote that this is, and it was, this was part of a concerted effort on Kyrie's part to draw a distinction between who he is and who LeBron was. He didn't want his free agency stuff to overshadow the season. And he got credit for it in October. People were like, we love this guy. This is our franchise player. To turn around now and say, anything could happen. Like, I don't know anybody, anything. Like, come on, man. I You deserve the criticism. Or the criticism's fair. Um, the criticism's fair. But it also kills me because it's distracting from him playing some of the best, most team-oriented basketball of his career. He's and the great. Celtics... The Celtics look really good on the court, and he is a major driver. Why? He's doing all the things that I was harping on him not doing, you know, at the start mm-hmm. of the season. And for him to, you know, sabotage his own team and to throw them into these conversations and to not care about the others, 
it goes back to that leadership question. It's just like he's finding new ways to do damage and for no reason, self-inflicted wounds that just should not be there. And with teams that are truly ready to compete for the title, truly yeah. world championship teams, they just don't behave like this. Yeah, um, I think that's fair to some degree. And I, to, to finish my thought earlier, what I would say about Kyrie is I think he wants to be wherever he thinks will give him the best shot at a title. And um, and back in October, it was a foregone conclusion that that was going to be Boston. And since Gordon Hayward has struggled to kind of rediscover his game, that's now more of an open question. Al Horford is older, and if they're not going to get Anthony Davis, then the ceiling in Boston is harder to gauge. Um, and I think no, no, it's not. It, it's, it's called caved in, Andrew. It's not hard to gauge at all. Come on. Yes, and again, it's fucking delightful that all this is happening. Uh, but I do think it, it's going to end with Boston pulling this off. Um, that's my official prediction. And then moving on, though, to one other side of it, Brian said, are you guys going to talk about the news war occurring with Clutch? And Clutch Sports, this is Rich Paul's agency, they've been behind a lot of the chaos that we've been living through this week, whether it's rumors, whether it's lists, you know, all sorts of stuff. And I do think part of Kyrie's frustration derives from some of the stuff that has been floated out there where I think, I, you know, this is one where I don't want to be one of the people on the dark web, but it does seem like some of it's coming from Clutch, the idea that Kyrie isn't staying in Boston and Kyrie could team up with LeBron. And, and if he's frustrated with some of that stuff, I don't blame him. And, uh, you know, I that's... do blame him because, look, he's the one who entered this fray by going and calling the press conference and telling everyone about his amazing private call with LeBron. That opened that's the door true. wide open for him to be exploited by them to their heart's content. And guess what? They took the opportunity. The idea that Kyrie, at this stage of his career, would want to go play with the Lakers and be number two to LeBron and <laughs> swallow all of his pride, Andrew, it's completely insane to me that it makes no sense you can talk me into the new york scenario with kevin durant yes you can talk me into to him staying in boston easily uh -huh. you cannot talk me into him just kind of putting his tail between his legs and going all the way to la and hey i'm signing up for another excruciating partnership with lebron james it makes no sense no so if i never I was him that. but if you were Kyrie, I would be, wouldn't you roll your eyes at that and wouldn't you say look a lot of this stuff is just nonsense and that's essentially I, what he was communicating in his i think like that's what he was trying to do but he didn't put that fine point on it so then again he just didn't handle it very well he and if he wanted to just say look I'm not going to go team up with LA, like uh, with LeBron. Like that's just yeah. not going to happen. That would have tamped things down. It would have been better for his team. It would have been better for him. But instead, he's just like, oh, the media, all this crazy stuff in the media. And like that just <laughs> well, made look, it worse. We have already established that Kyrie has a particular knack for saying reasonable things in the most obnoxious, condescending way possible. So that was probably part of it. And look, I, it was also. He really didn't commit to staying in Boston, which is news, and that's a, a, a real thing that's going to matter. Um, what do you think about the clutch stuff in general, though? Because over the weekend, we also saw the Lakers, you know, there was like a, a locker room kerfuffle. LeBron sat out the Warriors game also, which is just ridiculous. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it does seem like clutch is is floating a lot of stuff out there 
to try to make the Anthony Davis Lakers move happen. And then additionally, it seems like they, there were several sources with clutch ties who were reporting that that locker room dust up among the Lakers on Saturday night was worse than it actually was in an effort to potentially get Luke Walton fired. Um, I think you might be going a little too far on that, but um, well, maybe I, I I have no idea. I'm just saying that that idea has been out there also, and um, I to me it seems like Clutch is not quite as slick or subtle as they think they are. Um, no, I don't think that they think they're subtle. I think this is like yeah, a maybe desperate right. month long play to hijack Anthony Davis out of New Orleans. I think that's basically their strategy, right? Because that's what LeBron needs. Um, you can make a strong argument that that's what's best for Davis. You can make a very strong argument that that's what is best for Rich Paul and Magic Johnson and Polinka. Absolutely, right? Mm-hmm. But what I would like to see is, can we be a fly on the wall if they don't get Anthony Davis and how they're going to circle the wagons in LA after Dude, all of this for the playoff just, chase? <laughs> I was just talking to a friend about that before we came on here. Like, The idea that LeBron, and you know, you and I have joked about LeBron potentially just shutting it down and waiting for the summer. He might have to do that. If they don't get Anthony Davis at the trade deadline to just come back after Thursday and act like it's all good. And by the (laughs) way, Michael, (laughs) hey, hey, Michael Beasley, I always believed in you. Okay, there's a lot of talk. I know I'm glad we can get move through that as a team. Michael Beasley, Lance, I always trusted in you guys. We're going to do this. We're going to make a deep playoff run. It's Kuzma. It's Ingram. It's Lonzo. Look, the Lakers are currently trying to trade everyone on the team that isn't LeBron. And that's an issue. And LeBron has also been not so secretly waging a, a campaign to fire Luke Walton. And that's an issue too. And like the Here's idea a question that he for could you. come back, and this could get really uncomfortable, right? So your nephew is Brandon Ingram. I don't think he's missed a shot in the last three weeks. Yep. Is this a cry for help? Is he trying to get himself to New Orleans? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is, you know, it's a credit to him. I, I think all those guys do deserve some love. Granted, they're losing most of these games. But they have been able to continue playing and haven't really like lost their mind, which, you know, if one of them did kind of snap and say, this sucks, this has been awful for the last six weeks, and I thought this was going to be a great season, I was really excited for everything that was coming in LA, and it's, this has just been awful. I wouldn't blame anyone who, who went to the media and gave that interview. No, it's a great point, and to be honest, I'm glad Lonzo is hurt. You know, I never... Uh, root for injuries ever but I yeah. think that he would have been affected by this kind of chaotic environment more than an Ingram more than a Kuzma and more than some of these veteran guys and I almost feel like this is a a good protective uh, case for him to be in you know yeah. just like qu- quietly rehabilitate and wait for all the dust to settle you know what I mean but right um, well and it's a tricky situation too if you if you put yourself in Ingram's shoes or Lonzo's shoes or Kuzma's shoes On the one hand, you have the second greatest player of all time and the greatest player of the current generation trying to trade you pretty openly. And then on the other hand, you probably, I mean, all these guys are on social media constantly and they probably see people talking day in and day out about how much they suck and how trash the Lakers prospects are. And that would be hard too. Like psychologically to be able to tune that out and just play and play fairly well uh, it's impressive. No, I totally hear you. Let me ask you this, though. Okay. We can agree it's kind of chaotic. I think the the locker room stuff was probably a little bit overplayed, but 
the tension and the Luke Walton stuff, that's all completely real. Mm-hmm. But when we zoom out, does the the end justify the means here? Like, do we blame Clutch Sports for being this unsubtle, uh, this forward, you know, this aggressive, trying to land Anthony Davis? Like, even if their team is LeBron, Anthony Davis, and 13 guys who are angry at the world and minimum contract players, yeah, isn't that worth it, right? And don't you think that they've probably thought through all of these scenarios fairly carefully about, okay, who are we going to antagonize? Who are we going to, you know, upset? Whose uh, feathers are we going to ruffle? And don't you think they've concluded after all of that, like, look, LeBron needs a lot more help than he's got. And the only guy who can really provide it is Anthony. Yeah. But at that point, are you working for LeBron or are you working for Anthony Davis? You know, and and I don't mean mean, to be, look, here's the thing. (laughs) I think Clutch Sports takes a lot of heat in part because Rich Paul is a young black guy in a world that is typically occupied by, you know, 50 and 60 year old white guys. And so I think there's been a lot of resentment that he's had to deal with along the way that has been unfair. But at the same time, if you're Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis, whatever he's talked on the record about this trade demand, which has been like twice in the last couple months or whatever and for a guy who wants to be more famous i think he should be a little bit more interesting um but you know he's talked about wanting to win titles and wanting that to be his legacy and la with lebron who's now 34 years old is not necessarily the best place to do that and if i were looking at this objectively like clearly going to boston going to the east anthony davis would tear up the east wait 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 wait. you said boston or milwaukee (laughs) <laughs> well, or Milwaukee, whatever, man. I think that, you know, there are other teams out there and to suddenly whittle it down to the Knicks and the Knicks could make sense. I, that's another team that I, I would, I think has been too casually dismissed by most people. But um, I think limiting it to LA and, and moving heaven and earth to make this happen. I don't know. It, it's always struck me as an odd move if you're Anthony Davis's agent. It makes a lot of sense if you're LeBron's agent. Uh, but these are the type of conflicts that like everyone in the world could see were going to arise for Rich Paul and Clutch. And that's part of what's interesting about this week. Yeah, I think the only thing I'd add there is I hear the words coming out of Anthony Davis's mouth that he wants to win titles, but I don't think that's ever what it's all about for these guys when you're yeah. that famous. And I think LA's advantages off the court are obvious and, and you know, everybody knows them. Mm-hmm. And I do think that that could play for a guy in his situation where like the, the level of fame that he'd be able to achieve there, the opportunities that would open up, you know, entertainment wise, uh, endorsement wise and all of that uh, is a factor too, that, you know, we shouldn't, you know, detract Rich Paul and say, oh, he's only doing it for LeBron. You know, th- that same blueprint could work for an Anthony Davis or anybody else coming to LA and, and rocketing up the jersey sales list and, you know, yeah. all the other measures of popularity. And, and that would have real benefit to a player in Anthony's shoes. Yeah. And all I'm saying is that it, it the idea that all of these kind of hardball tactics will be worth it because the end justify the means. Like, that makes sense to me, except that we should all be clear that, like, the Lakers' end isn't that much better or different than sending Anthony Davis to the Knicks or sending Anthony Davis to the Celtics. Like, he's going to be great wherever he is, and then there are going to be questions about whether you can go win a title. And I think, in particular, there are a lot of questions in L.A. The other question I had, though, 
specific to the Lakers. Um, we got a, a, a question from Andre who says, how about this for the next big Lakers trade? Luke Walton to the Warriors for Mike Brown, the new head coach of the Lakers. I actually don't think that would be that crazy for the Lakers, but I don't know whether you have heard it. I keep hearing that Jason Kidd is the guy who's going to be the next coach of the Lakers, and if not Kidd, then it's going to be Mark Jackson, another clutch sports client. And my question in the wake of all that is just like, who is running the Lakers, and are they more incompetent than we have given them credit for thus far? Because every post-LeBron decision has been really, really shaky. I mean, doesn't it seem like LeBron's running the Lakers? basically it kind of uh, does and and if that's the case i mean like there have been some really bad decisions like when they when it was lance stevenson or lance apparently wasn't involved but like michael beasley and whoever was arguing with with luke walton javel mcgee these are guys the lakers never should have signed and it seems like they did because they were handpicked by lebron well, I think part of it was they needed to be on one-year deals, right? So they were, they were, you were really limiting the types of players that you could get if you were only willing to commit to one season. Yeah. Um, but I think that the Lakers basically opened the door wide for LeBron. We're going to be the franchise that caters to the superstar, right? We're not going to be in conflict like Dan Gilbert was with LeBron. You know, hey, this is this is the world is your oyster here in Los Angeles. And again, that's a situation where there are kind of under the radar things that can come back to bite you in those situations, whether it's, uh, you know, the the lack of stability in this coaching position, mm-hmm. whether it's the the idea that they have a financial vested interest in replacing the coach, <laughs> clearly, you know, if they get one of their clients in that position, um, that maybe you didn't consider when you were, you know, racing to sign LeBron to that four-year deal last summer, but again, usually he justifies, um, you know, his presence justifies all of the nonsense. The problem is he hasn't been playing right. and he needs to get back on the court. And then I think a lot of this stuff is going to blow over, including the Walton stuff. I still think Luke's going to be okay for the rest of the season as long as LeBron's back and playing consistently um, and they kind of sneak back into that playoff picture. Yeah, I think that you were right. Um, I mainly only raise it because, uh, you know, they we we've joked about the lakers and like oh zany lakers like the meme team like this is hilarious but you also kind of have to step back and and really it's the idea of hiring jason kidd that made me do a double take and take a long look at this team like they might just be randy whitman level stupid and i don't know whether that's magic and palinka or Rich Paul and LeBron, but like there have been some really puzzling decisions, and you're right that LeBron on the court makes a lot of it worth it. Regardless, um, it's just it's a thought I had while while I was parsing through the Lakers locker room reports at 2 a.m. Yeah. Saturday. I hear you, and not to like drastically pivot and change the subject, but I need you <laughs> to read this email from Ben, please. Okay. Uh, well, we did get a, a number of emailers who, who made this point, but Ben was one of them who said, this is for Golliver specifically. Ben, how could you let Sharp's comment about no team having won a title with draft picks go unchecked? The Spurs won five titles with homegrown players. The Warriors created the most dominant team in recent memory thanks to drafting three All-Stars. The Lakers had Shaq, who they signed, but they also had Kobe, and a lot of their pieces, especially on the second run, were draft picks. So um, I guess I'll give you room to elaborate on that point, Ben. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's a coaching philosophy uh, issue here, Ben. And you have to realize that I want to be a player's friendly coach when it comes to Sharp. When Sharp is on one, I'm going to channel my Mike D'Antoni, you know, uh-huh. and, and D'Antoni gave a great quote to you for your heart and story in, in Sports Illustrated, something along the lines of like, he's trying to stay out of the way and not mess things up. I mean, you were going for a 60 point triple double when you were going at those Knicks fans throats. The worst thing I could have done was interject at that moment to well actually you about the recent history and the value of draft picks, whether Tim Duncan, Michael Jordan, uh, you know, the list, you know, Steph Curry, the list goes, Kobe Bryant, the list goes on and on, right? <laughs> sure. um, it's better for you to just put up one air ball during a 60-point game and, you know, we just all kind of forgive you and move on and maybe double back at the next film session, which I guess, you know, in this scenario would be this podcast right now and maybe acknowledge that that wasn't <laughs> the right shot to take rather than really blowing up your flow. And so, and uh, I was very heartened and happy to see how many people were as excited as I was for the return of Andrew Sharp reports. Uh-huh. Um, and I was glad that, you know, you didn't try to backtrack it at the end of the podcast. You tried, but you know, we, we put your foot down and basically <laughs> didn't let you do that. And it's going to be hilarious when they get KD because you're going to have to double back with the longest. I told you so in open floor history, and you will have earned it. Yes. Well, listen, thank you for letting me have the space I needed on last week's podcast because I did have some things I needed to work through, get off my chest, and we got through it as a community, really. (laughs) Um, But we did have a number of people who were aghast at this specific draft pick point, and I realized after the fact that, you know, that's something that makes perfect sense in my head that I probably didn't explain enough on the podcast. That's fine. Uh, That's why we do more podcasts. What I meant specifically is that for the Knicks, you know, the idea that they're just going to stockpile draft picks and then slowly build a title (laughs) contender that way. What you were trying to say is Frank Nielakina is not bringing you a ring. (laughs) That's what you were trying to say. Kevin Knox and Frankie are not going to get you a championship. That's what you were trying to say. Neither is Porzingis. The reality is if you go down the list of teams that have won titles in the last 30 years, it's very rare that you win it with homegrown players. I mean, the Cavs did it with LeBron the first time through. And really, like... If you if it's not a number one pick, a Hall of Famer, it's rare that he's someone you can build a title team around. Like the Spurs did. Yeah, you, you know what? You're right. If you draft Tim Duncan, one of the ten best players of all time, yes, you can win five titles with your homegrown draft picks. Had you just had Manu and Tony Parker, you're not winning a title with those guys. Same deal with the Warriors. If they just had Klay Thompson and, Dray- and Draymond Green, those are great picks, but you're not winning a title. It's Steph. So I think your real point here is that Porzingis is just not Tim Duncan, right? Like they didn't exactly. have that first building block Hall of Fame level guy in your eyes. So trying to surround him with other young draft picks was kind of a fool. It's fool's errand. Is that where you were trying to go? Yeah. I mean, ultimately, my thoughts on that trade last week come down to my read on Porzingis. And, um, and, I, and I think that's where it, you know, if you're a Knicks fan who just loved Porzingis and didn't want to see them trade him, then I totally understand not liking the trade. If you're a Knicks fan who thought Porzingis was going to be the cornerstone of a title team, I think you're probably wrong. But like, that's another reason to not like it. But um, but my point with the draft picks conversation is just that like I saw a lot of people chiding the Knicks for not building quote unquote the right way when I think there are a handful of teams around the NBA who who actually can if they if they 
take care of the foundation and hire a good coach and clear cap space, can go sign superstars, and that gives you a much better chance of winning a title than you know just betting the next eight years on draft picks would. Um, and again, there only four or five teams can actually afford to choose that blueprint, but the Knicks are one of them. Yeah, um, I mean, I think you might have let them off a little easy on the level of dysfunction during the Porzingis era during your rant. Like, yeah. You know, and I didn't mention the number of coaching changes. The fact that the Phil era it started with Derek Fisher. You know, what a hire that was. <laughs> totally. And yeah. he goes out and, you know, he never really establishes that firm connection with Porzingis as the franchise guy earlier in his career. Yeah. And you're cycling through these other coaches who just, you know, Kurt Rambis. I mean, come on, man. You're like, really? Like, that's your game plan? <laughs> um, so they had Kurt a lot Rambis, of mis- Did he get caught looking at porn at one point during his Knicks head coaching career? Sorry, Elizabeth. No comment. Yes, he did. <laughs> he liked a tweet and had to address it with the media, as, as I recall. Um, but I think that you let them off the hook a little bit easy for how poorly they managed Porzingis's development up until this season. Yeah. Uh, but I think what your point was ultimately was, look, that's all a sunk cost, right? At some point, you need to kind of move forward. And the vision of having these two max slots is better than trying to slowly, gradually build a team into a good but not great franchise around Porzingis. And I think Knicks fans, you know, to defend them, if their vision was winning 45 to 50 games, you know, per season over these next few years with Porzingis as the guy, that would have been a lot of fun for them, you know, based on how ugly and painful things have been over the last decade. Like, they might not have ever gone to that championship level, but that is a real thing that has been taken from their life. And I don't know if we should minimize that quite as much as you wanted to. Yeah, I, I, that's fair. I think my my other point was that it would have been maybe fun for Knicks fans, um, although Knicks fans are, you know, these are people who bathe in self-loathing as a rule, and so I could s- certainly see them going that direction and then getting a year and a half into that era and being like, we spent all our money on Tobias Harris and aging Kemba, Kemba Walker <laughs> next to Kristaps Porzingis. Our life sucks again. Um, and then yeah, also, that's true. Porzingis they wouldn't enjoy would anything. Unhappy. They're going to be miserable, whatever. Don't even give them Kevin Durant and Kyrie. <laughs> well, it's true. And then also, the one thing I agree with you on is like, I I think the, the current Knicks approach is smart. And I understand why they're doing it, why they're pursuing free agents this summer and why they're kind of going all in and why the Porzingis trade makes, made sense. And I do think that Scott Perry knows what he's doing and, and there's a good chance that the Knicks are who we thought the Lakers were and, and they are actually the ones who are going about this in a smart way and, and ready to make a splash and, um, and will build a contender out of thin air the way we thought the Lakers were supposed to. Having said all that... Uh, <laughs> Like, is it Scott Mills or no? It's Steve Mills in New New York. You know, some of the stuff they pulled with the media over the weekend. I think all of the toxic elements of the Knicks regime of the last ten or fifteen years are still basically there. So while I think Scott Perry is probably smarter on the basketball side, I think Mills and Dolan are still there on the on the management side to kind of screw with things and and give everyone pause before trusting this team. And I think we all should have pause before trusting them to do anything right. Um, Yeah. And and that's why we can't really blame Porzingis. Like if he was just thinking like, Hey, I don't want to be here or trade me. 
there should be no blame on his end because yeah. he had to deal with those exact guys and all of the weirdness and the Charles Oakley fiasco and the, uh, you know, the stint with Kurt Rambis and like all of that stuff. He had to actually live that. So hundred percent. I understand and, and I that. And, and actually, uh, I don't think anyone's and blaming I wish him. Porzingis are they? Well, in Dallas, I think it's going to be really fun to see what that team turns into. Um, what do you think? Should we finish off with a couple questions, a couple quick ones at the end here? Yeah, it's only fair that after Ben called you out, maybe we should read Carrie calling me out. So why don't we do that one next? <laughs> All right. In the interest of balance, right? Okay, we have two call-out emails to close the show. First, Carrie says, Hey, guys, what is Ben's mailing address? I was wondering where I should send this D'Angelo Russell All-Star jersey. Ugh, this you ready? Me cr- this drove me so crazy, Andrew. I mean, this is the fakest all-star selection I could remember. There's so many <laughs> asterisks around it. It's like being in a blizzard, just covered in snowflakes. So first of all, he's a AAA Eastern Conference all-star, right? Okay. No chance he would make it in the Western Conference. And then he's not even a real all-star. He's an injury replacement for Victor Oladipo. As I mentioned earlier, Eric Bledsoe's snubbed so hard in this conversation. There's no question in my mind, if you're trying to win this season, who's having a better all-around year, uh, it should be Eric Bledsoe compared to D'Angelo Russell. And look, I understand the Nets fans, they want to have their big day because this is the the brightest moment they've had in six or seven years. Mm -hmm. D'Angelo Russell is an offense-first player. Brooklyn's got a below-average offense, 17th the last time I checked. Their offensive efficiency drops when D'Angelo Russell is on the court, he doesn't improve their offense. As we know, he's a negative uh, impact defensive player. That's still true this season, despite you know his hot shooting six <laughs> weeks or whatever got him, uh, you know this uh, this All Star selection, which was nonsensical. So what I did here, Andrew, okay, I put together an entire list, an entire roster of Western Conference All Star snubs who are all more deserving all-stars are you serious than d'angelo russell so here it comes are you ready no i'm not ready i'm i'm actually mad at you i'm first of all concerned that you had this much free time number two i'm mad at you for being this petty i don't want to endorse this in any way this is ben speaking for himself this is not open floor i'm very excited that d'angelo russell will be at the all-star game it's an all-star game it's not the all nba team people want to watch d'angelo russell they don't care about watching no they Eric don't Bledsoe. nobody wants to watch like the 20th best point guard in the nba doing the i can't wait to see the 19 foot pull-up jumpers that are straight cash for for my guy d'angelo he's been he's been Killing it. He somehow doesn't take any free throws in any game he plays and still doesn't really shoot threes that much. Uh, but he's That's another great. thing I didn't even get into. I mean, his true <laughs> shooting percentage. Among players who shoot as often as he does, he ranks 20th out of 24th. The only guys he's ahead of are, you know, your favorites like John Wall, Russell Westbrook, and some of these other low-efficiency guys. Here is my Western Conference snubs really team. Read the list. <laughs> I'm reading this list, and you tell me who is not a better player and a more deserving all-star than Russell. Are you ready? Sure, whatever. DeMar DeRozan, Draymond Green, Steven Adams, Yusuf Nurkic, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Tobias Harris, Danilo Gallinari, De'Aaron Fox, Luka Doncic, Drew Holiday, Mike Conley, Devin Booker, CJ McCollum, and maybe even Derrick Rose are all more deserving all-star selections this year than D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, we have to pretend this guy's an all-star. Come on. Look, I hope people out there are paying attention to the lengths 
that Ben will go when he's <laughs> proven wrong. <laughs> this How is the ultimate okay, sign of victory that Ben took at least five minutes to compile a list of Western Conference All-Stars more de- deserving than D'Angelo. Guess what? Your list doesn't matter. D'Angelo Russell is going to be in Charlotte after you said his career was over two years ago. D'Angelo is winning at life. That's all that matters. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so he's not in China yet. Uh, I will <laughs> I will acknowledge that. That no. might have been a little aggressive on my behalf, but he's not that good, Andrew. Like, he does not deserve to hold be on, there. I mean, on, look, he deserves to be there more than Dirk, but he's not that good. He's not having a big impact. The Nets are, you know, cute, but not anything important. You don't trust him to win you a playoff series in any way. There's a strong argument that Dinwiddie was actually better. I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, listen, um, I'm not here to defend D'Angelo Russell's honor too much. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with him this summer. I will yeah, say that's a guy I definitely don't want to give big money. Here's to, the thing, the though. Here's the thing. Like the whole technocrat NBA. Let's talk about his true shooting percentage. Watching D'Angelo Russell is still really fun. Okay, and watching the way he scores when he's on, he's more entertaining than like ninety to ninety-five percent of the NBA. So I don't care what his plus-minus is, whether the Nets are better with Dinwiddie, whether like who gives a shit? He's he's playing his ass off and has done a really good job this year. Well, and it's I'll tell you cool this: to see. I hope Team Giannis coach Mike Budenholzer buries him. I hope that we get a lot of minutes for Dwayne Wade. I hope we get a lot of minutes for Chris Middleton. D'Angelo, I mean, congratulations. You know, all, all, in all seriousness, congratulations. Did not see this coming. Um, but, you know, he's he's still got to kind of pay his dues. And by the way, in all seriousness, Carrie, don't worry about sending the jersey to Ben's mailing address. No, do I, not. I am going to personally purchase a D'Angelo Russell all-star jersey and present it to him when we're both in Charlotte next week. And it's going to be great. Well, You're just going to light your credit card on fire? <laughs> yeah, for Yes, just to, because the vindication is that sweet, it's worth it to me. And we'll present it on Instagram or something. Um, Man, you the- Eastern Conference guys are so sad. I mean, <laughs> this is just so sad. Listen to this victory lap. And look, I realize I'm being hypocritical because I'm so excited about Middleton's. Um, and you know, most of the names on that list I just gave you would also apply in terms of being more deserving all-stars than Middleton this year. Yeah. Um, but come on, like we got to pump the brakes on the Russell hype. It's well, too much. Listen, us Eastern conference guys, we are a blue collar lot. Me and D'Angelo Russell, we're basically part of a Bruce Springsteen song while you are out there in San Francisco touring the chase center with the 1% of the 1%, you know, this is. This is the problem with America. You've just completely lost touch with how real people actually live. Um, (laughs) But speaking of real people, I wanted to close with this because in the course of the last 10 days of madness around the NBA, we haven't gotten a chance to actually read this email. But for anyone who... It's an all-timer. Everybody needs to sell this thing right. This is one of the greatest emails that we've ever gotten. (laughs) In the history of our podcast, it's very personal. If you're listening out there, I mean, turn this up, digest it, and really get yourself in a positive mind space to really process what's about to come. Yes, and if you missed our fan amnesty episode, which ran about two weeks ago, we had someone writing in about his cousin named KJ. And now we have KJ writing in who says, Hey, guys. I had a surreal experience this morning. I was washing dishes, 
listening to Open Floor, my favorite NBA podcast. An hour into the most recent episode, I heard my own name pop up in an email from my punk cousin, Ollie. It's me, KJ from Phoenix, the formerly awkward Suns rapper. While at first it was very cool to hear myself mentioned on the show, it quickly became very uncool as you two were making fun of me the whole time. So please allow me to set a few things straight. Number one. This feels like Mueller, doesn't it? (laughs) I mean, like we're getting like a statement of facts about his life. This is great. It is. It is. KJ says, number one, I have spoken to Ali only a handful of times in my adult life. All of his talk about being worn out showing me and my brother fake sympathy and becoming transfixed by the glazed over look in our eyes or whatever the fuck. Sorry, Elizabeth, parentheses. All of that is completely fabricated. I don't see this dude. I don't talk to this dude. Wow. Ollie, you ain't it. Ollie, you ain't it right now. (laughs) Could have been a mic drop end of email right there. But he continues on. Number two. He claims that he's been trying to convert my brother Eric into a Maz fan because Eric has recently moved to Dallas. Eric does not live in Dallas. He lives in Austin and as such is geographically much closer to San Antonio. Unclear whether Ali just doesn't know where his supposedly beloved cousin lives or if he adjusted reality to fit the narrative of his email. As a loyal listener of the show, I'm appalled that someone would leverage our our suffering for a little shine from the open floor globe. Yeah, that's a great point. Look, reality-based people, we don't get to adjust reality to fit our needs, okay? Reality well, is reality. So I'm with him on that. And also, by the way, Austin Airport's great. If you need to go to Spurs games, you know, consider flying into Austin rather than San Antonio. Just a little tip. Um, <laughs> great. <laughs> but, I mean, we get, okay, continue because no, we're like half done here. Keeping it reality-based is very important because I do not fact-check the emails that I gather 15 minutes Ever. before we start to record. So you could certainly slip things past us if you wanted to, but we're on the honor system here. So everybody remember that. Number three, KJ says... The part about me having an English degree and loving hip-hop is true. As a writer and a fan of both rap music and the Suns, there was a time when those three things intersected for me. However, I was not writing quote-unquote awkward, angsty bars about Marquise Chris. (laughs) (laughs) I bet he was, though. This is the part where I I do question this issue. Yeah, let's fact-check that here. Uh, um, A friend and I recorded a song during the 2010 Western Conference Finals. The Suns were still good. It was just for fun. We were 19 years old and bored. Look, KJ, I said on the last podcast, I don't have any judgment. I recorded bad rap music too. It's something we all do. It's just part of the process of growing up in the modern age. Um, KJ, he's so ashamed he won't even share his DJ name with us, okay? I tried to pull it out of him on like 18 <laughs> months ago on an episode and he refused. He buried it. Yeah. And then come to find out his real name is Edward. Like, oh, and we, we just found that out like a month ago. So who knows what his uh, rap name was? Was it Eddie, you know? DJ Flash Edward Eddie, Eddie the Flash. Sixth. My name is Edward Andrew Sharp the Sixth. So Edward the Sixth, that was my name. Um, Four, given the partial truths and outright lies found in Ollie's email, (laughs) I have to wonder whether he was even listening from a national park, as he claimed, 
or if he just threw that in there to pander to the sensibilities of the show. I Man, think I the bet people do that. has to be asked. I'm surprised he didn't sign off by saying that he had to run and finish construction on an adult Lego set. <laughs> <laughs> That's fire. KJ, incredible email. Ollie, I think he might have ended you here, but what we're going to need you to do is actually produce a photo of yourself like a hostage holding up a newspaper in the <laughs> national park <laughs> with like the dateline on it so we can confirm that it's actually you uh you know and you're saying what, what you're thinking Andrew I have noticed some of the pandering though on the emails haven't you yeah I mean, well I enjoy it it's a it's a way of showing love I respect it yeah I, I don't hate it either but you know it tone it down guys well, you know, keep it real and speaking of showing love I don't think there's any question about who our favorite Phoenix Suns fan is going to be until the end of time. So Our only our only favorite Phoenix Suns fan. Shout out to KJ and his angsty bars about the 2010 Western Conference Finals. Uh, we hear you. We defend your right to love the Suns no matter what. And, um, and we don't trust Ollie from this day going forward. So uh, thank you. And with that, Ben, well, let- I think we should end it there. We should end it there, but we should also note that KJ basically made a strong statement that despite all of the mistakes that the, re- the franchise has made recently, he doesn't want amnesty. He's a dyed-in-the-wool Suns fan. He's going to the grave, even though he referred to the owner as Bobito Sarver being the worst in sports. Um, impressive. Loyalty, underrated. You know, it's Loyalty is not in fashion right now outside of Giannis and Milwaukee. Everybody else disloyal changing teams hopping around uh you know furthering trade rumors trying to break up uh, you know potential dynasties going from coast to coast yeah for gay to just keep it real in his own little pocket there in phoenix and just living with it you gotta respect it you know what no no lie it was inspiring to me because i'm dead inside as a wizards fan and i've talked about feeling completely ambivalent about this team or whatever but like hearing him because there was another paragraph that we didn't read but he defended his son's fandom (laughs) and hearing him defend his son's fandom reminded me that i will always be a wizards fan no matter what so uh thank you kj for reminding me of that as well kj you set a high bar ollie to be honest, you have to clap back, okay? I mean, he's going <laughs> right at you. So we want to hear, hear from you, Ollie, at openfloormail at gmail.com. Openfloormail at gmail.com. We'll take all your other free agency questions, comments, concerns, predictions. Please send them to us. And Andrew, don't forget, they need to follow me on Instagram at ben.goliver because we got the lantern questions going to be posted on my Instagram story here probably sometime in the next 24 to 48 hours. I'm assuming you and I are going to come back together for a uh, free agency wrap-up podcast later this week. I can't wait for it. In the meantime, everybody should go to our Apple podcast page by uh, searching for Open Floor. That's two words. Find the page, scroll down. It will say rate and review, tap five stars. It's just that easy. And actually do it, okay? Don't just say you're going to do it. Don't put it off. Please give us that five star. It really helps us spread the word. Andrew, we're also on the world famous radio.com. Until later this week, I will talk to you. All right. I will talk to you soon. I'll talk to you Thursday night and we'll take it from there. Bye.